Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of True Crime and Cheese, man, it's your girl April, hashtag Oreo. Um, I hope everybody's having a great day so far, you know, <laughs> you woke up, so that's a great day already. Amen. Or should I say, amen. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're gonna keep the unsolved mystery train going, um, because, I don't know because i feel like it <laughs> i think that this one's crazy too last week was was crazy it was sad but this one's just fucking weird um still unsolved you know whatever and this one's from canada canada so yeah so I, i'm not sure if you guys have heard of it before if you didn't then you could just listen to the sound of my voice get you through it and that's gonna be the case of Lindsay Buziak. so i found this story because i was just looking up i was on reddit actually just looking up like unsolved murders it was like right around the time where i was looking up robert won't that that shit still haunts me but i was looking up unsolved murders unsolved mysteries etc and i came across this story and i had never heard of it before and first of all reddit low-key be having mad shit like and some good shit too and i i hate unsolved murders unsolved mysteries unsolved anything because i just feel like it it's they keep you up at night like murder some murders do some cases that are solved will keep you up at night but it's really the unsolved ones that like will have you up till 3 a.m going down a rabbit hole on google when you know you're supposed to be at work you're supposed to be up for work at 7 a.m but you up at 3 trying to do a deep dive into these people's lives like it's so crazy can you tell that that has happened to me before <laughs> Anywho, let me stop chit-chatting and I will get started. So buckle that ass in, okay? Alright, so Lindsay, she was born Lindsay Elizabeth Buziak and she was born on November 2nd, 1983 to Jeff Buziak and Evelyn Buziak. She had one sister named Sarah. In 2008, uh, at the time Lindsay was 24, she was ambitious um, and she was a Victoria, so that's in British Columbia in canada she was a real estate agent who had made a promising start to her career and she was described by her family friends and colleagues as being popular and caring she also had a boyfriend named jason zalo and he was a part of a prominent and wealthy family that owned a successful real estate business towards the end of january 2008 Lindsay had received a phone call from a woman Lindsay described the woman as having a strong Mexican or Spanish accent, and the woman told Lindsay that she and her husband were moving to Victoria. The woman gave Lindsay a list of things she was looking for in a home. In her planner, Lindsay had circled February 1st and wrote exactly down the criteria. The woman wanted three bedrooms and three bathrooms. The master bedroom needed to be large. And the woman and her husband also wanted a separate housekeeper quarters within the house. She also gave Lindsay an ideal price, $1 million. And there was a catch. She wanted it within three days. So off the rip, Lindsay thought that the call was strange. She didn't know how the woman had gotten her personal cell phone number. 
it's a common practice in the real estate world to thrive off of great referrals. But according to documents released later, Lindsay actually called several clients trying to figure out how the woman came across her, but none of the clients she spoke with knew who the woman was. Based on the way the number was saved in Lindsay's phone and conversations with coworkers, it's not clear what the woman's name was. She had labeled the contact Million Dollar. Lindsay's doing her real estate thing, you know, she compiled the list and emailed a few suggestions to the woman on February 1st. The two exchanged 10 more phone calls over the next few days, and one of the calls lasted 10 minutes. Lindsay gave the woman an address, 1702 D'Souza Place. So this was in a suburb of Victoria called Saanich, and it was in a neighborhood called Gordon Head. So the meeting was set for the next day at 5.30 p.m. So Lindsay left the office for a late lunch with Jason sometime between 3 and 4 p.m. on the 2nd. The two ate at a restaurant downtown called Sauce and then left around 4.20. Lindsay went to her condo to change clothes before going to the showing. Jason had a meeting at the SHC Autograph Auto Shop. The owners employed Jason to sell the property and he was bringing by an offer. While he was there, Lindsay called to say that she was on her way to the showing that she, you know, with this woman. Jason offered to follow her instead of taking over this time, I'm, I'm assuming, of the sale. Uh, Lindsay agreed, but she wanted to do the actual showing alone. It altered Jason's plans for the evening because he had planned to go to dinner with his friend Cohen Oatman. Cohen called Jason while he was still at the auto shop. The men left the auto shop in Jason's car at about 5.30 p.m. and then headed to um, the D'Souza home to wait for Lindsay before dinner. Jason tried using uh, his GPS in the car to try and find the house, but he didn't have any luck. So he called Lindsay for directions. While he was on the phone, the couple had arrived at the house and Lindsay apparently told Jason, okay, I'll see you in a bit. I gotta go. The Mexicans are here. Jason asked her to text and Lindsay did. Two witnesses saw the couple walk into the cul-de-sac of D'Souza. Lindsay greeted them on the driveway near the back of her car. At 5.29 p.m., Lindsay opened the lockbox at the house and removed the keys. At 5.38 p.m., Jason texts Lindsay just a couple minutes away. Lindsay never answered the text. At 5.41, however, Lindsay's Blackberry placed a phone call. It was to a friend that she hadn't talked to in a very long time and the voicemail was muffled. By 5.45, Jason and Cohen had driven into the cul-de-sac. They could see Lindsay's car in the driveway, so they just sat and watched the house. They saw a man through the window of the front door, but they could only see him from behind. They're thinking, you know, everything's all right, I guess, and they sat in the car for about 10 more minutes. Then Jason turned around and parked on the neighboring street, Torquay Drive. Again, they stood there for like 10 more minutes. Uh, While they waited, Jason said he texted Lindsay again, this time asking if she was okay. She didn't reply. He called and she didn't answer. So when she wasn't answering the text or the phone calls, the two men decided to walk up to the house, but the front door was locked. This is a no-no when you're showing houses. Like You should not lock the front door. At this point, they're like, the fuck? So they rang the doorbell, no answer. So some weird shit's going on. At 6.05, Jason called 911. He told the dispatcher his girlfriend was meeting an out-of-town client for a real estate showing. And he also said that Lindsay was kind of scared, so he kind of followed her. 
He continued recounting that he saw a man in the house, but the door was locked. He also said that through the door, he could see Lindsay's shoes and she would have taken them off before walking the house, like during the showing. After calling 911, the guys took another look around the property. With a closer look over the fence, they saw that the back door was open. Jason helped Cohen go over the fence and he ran to the front door and let Jason in. Then they divided up to search the house. Cohen took the first floor and Jason ran up the stairs yelling for Lindsay. At the top of the stairs was the master bedroom. Inside, at the far end of the room near the master bathroom, was Lindsay's body in a pool of blood. Jason yelled for Cohen to call 911 again. Jason tried to perform CPR, but it was too late. Cohen told the dispatcher about the bloody footprints in the house and that Lindsay was in a pool of blood. When law enforcement arrived, Cohen and Jason could be seen in the window of the master bedroom waving their arms. Police began to process the scene and Jason and Cohen were taken away to the police station um, separately. First, investigators cleared the house and nobody was there. Canines were brought in to search for a trace of the mysterious couple that was viewing the home in the first place and no leads they searched for the murder weapon and it wasn't there law enforcement gathered hair and fiber evidence and they looked for dna at the scene as well as fingerprints Lindsay's wallet phone and purse were left behind the only part of the crime scene left to process was Lindsay's body her cause of death was blood loss so she had been stabbed over 40 times in the head and chest and there was no sign of sexual assault now this is my opinion 40 times is a lot and also in the head and chest that just sounds a little personal like this wasn't a random it could have been but that just seems like a lot of rage to just I, I don't know it seems like a lot of rage for somebody that you don't know or somebody that you're just setting up like it's it's so weird like this is so weird law enforcement dug into the phone number itself to see if there was any like they could trace it back to someone the phone was bought in vancouver in late november 2007 at a convenience store but wasn't activated until late january 2008 and it was only used to call lindy and that was it like there was nothing there was no history before or possibly after they could trace where the calls originated so the first ones were from vancouver and the location changed 24 hours before the phone location showed they were on their way via the british columbia ferries the day before the attack after some investigating police did track a name for the phone it was registered to a paulo rodriguez but the name led nowhere and the phone was never used again after Lindsay's murder so that's another dead end with the phone leading to a dead end and Lindsay labeling the couple as just million dollar the police began to dig into other areas of Lindsay's life so they searched her laptop and social media According to documents acquired by Capital Daily, law enforcement noticed something off about Lindsay's online behavior shortly before her murder. They could tell chat messages were missing, but they couldn't find out when they were deleted, and they also couldn't recover them. Her behavior was also different on Facebook, so Lindsay had 700 friends, but yet she exchanged no messages with anyone on there starting on January 24th up until her murder. I mean, that part I really don't think is far-fetched because I have a bunch of fucking friends on Facebook and I talk to fucking nobody on there. Like, who the fuck? I'm Me, personally. 
I do not use motherfucking Facebook Messenger for shit, okay? Um, like, dudes be even fucking sliding your DM on Facebook. Like, not interested. I don't use Facebook Messenger, so I felt, I felt like that's not that far-fetched, but hey. A year later, there were still five full-time investigators on the case. Saanich police had conducted over a thousand interviews. They served 30 search warrants and tracked over 700 tips. With the help of Victoria Police and the RCMP, which is Royal Canadian Mounted Police, that's like NYPD, LAPD, blah, blah, blah. They were also fine-tuning a sketch they hoped would help. So the sketch was of the woman the witnesses saw arrive at the house to meet Lindsay. The woman was described as white, 35 to 45 years old. She has short blonde hair and was very well-dressed. The dress or skirt was black with thick white and red swirls. Scarce information was released about the woman's, quote, husband. He was white, six feet with dark hair. He was wearing a light-colored jacket. And that's pretty much it. Currently, investigators are using new technology and working with the FBI. There hasn't been much uh, update to this case, so it's unsolved. It's been unsolved. Um, there have been a couple articles out that came out last year in 2021, February 2021, so almost a year ago. And according to Constable Marcus Anastadius, I think that's how you say his name. Sorry if it's not... He says, quote, investigators are reviewing and retesting evidence, including items from the crime scene, as well as digital evidence. Technology not available at at the time of the crime has allowed us to develop new investigative leads. As many of you have likely seen in the media lately, advancements in fields such as genealogy and DNA analysis has led to resolution in many other cases. These changes and advancements have reportedly led to new leads what those leads are uh they're not really saying investigators aren't saying they haven't really said much of anything and i've even tried to check last week just to see if there was any update that i could probably sprinkle in here nothing and as far as i know this is still unsolved and it's so bizarre and yeah that's the the case of lindsey buziak this case is so bizarre like bizarre 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 beyond belief because i just ha it's so creepy this person got this person's phone number was like hey i want to buy a house even down to like the boyfriend and his friend waiting outside you saw somebody in the doorway i mean the window in the house you were right there i can only imagine what he feels like the fact that he was probably right outside as she was being murdered and didn't do anything like not that he didn't do anything because i'm pretty sure if he would have known what was going on he would have tried to whatever he was trying to give her space you know she was selling the house she was doing her thing and that is so very unfortunate i i just cannot believe that this is still unsolved like it's so weird i went down a rabbit hole on reddit i like googled the hell out of this i haven't seen any updates at all which is nuts absolutely nuts like we have this what the what the hell then i don't know like i i had just been thinking like over the past couple days like how does one actually get up and decide 
that they want to take somebody's life. Like, how do you muster up the fucking balls to even do some shit like that? Like, how does that not, first of all, how does that not eat at you before you're doing it, while you're doing it, after you're doing it? Like, it just, and it doesn't make sense to me. Like, even for the ones that go unsolved, like, okay, you took somebody's life and, you know, if, whatever, if you haven't been gone, how do you live with yourself? How? I, I need to know. I need to know. <laughs> because I would not. If I short somebody 50 cents at the store, I'm going to think about it for like a week. So imagine, yo, some of y'all need help. <laughs> like, for real. Anywho, let me know your thoughts. Um, Talk to me nice on Instagram, April.Selena. Hashtag Ovio. Um, yeah, let me know your thoughts. Uh, it's snowing in NYC, so I'm about to grab that shovel and make it do what it do. Uh, I'm gonna try. We'll see. <laughs> um, don't forget to like, comment, share, and subscribe. It helps me a lot. Okay, but I'm gonna lay off the unsolved. I'm gonna lay off the unsolved for a while. I, I feel like I owe you guys some closure as far as true crime is concerned. So that's what we're gonna do. <laughs> <sighs> since next week i think it's february is it yeah we're starting february we're gonna do ba -ba -na -na, crimes of passion so if you have any special requests anything like that let me know you can hear me talk about it i don't know i'm gonna do yeah we're gonna do that love makes you do crazy things <laughs> anywho all right i'll talk to you guys later bye